Welcome to Smart Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Smart Cleaning School podcast. I just want to thank you for tuning in today and for listening to this episode. There are some valuable lessons that I believe you can extract, but essentially this is just going to be a self-therapy episode for me, the host, and here's why. Today is November the 22nd, 2021. It's an emotional day for me. One year ago, my father went home to be with Jesus. I was the one that held his hand, prayed into his ear, and told him it was okay to go home to be with his wife, my Nana, as he took his last breath. It was the most bittersweet moment in my life. On one hand, I lost the man who raised me. Yes, it's true, he was my grandfather, but he was so much more. I am Kenneth Joseph Carfagno III. I was named after my pop-op, Kenneth Joseph Carfagno Sr. Pop-op was only 40 years old when I was born. My dad was 18 and still figuring out how to adult in the world. So was my mom, who was only 16. So my pop-up took me under his wing. He was the one that raised me up and encouraged me to achieve. He is the one that showed up at my sports events. Now, my dad did too, of course, but not as often as my pop-up. My dad was in his 20s at this point and still doing a lot of the party scene of the 80s. So my established pop-up, who was in his late 40s, was home, working a regular job, and he was home and available, and I was with him over the weekends. Pop-Op was the one that was tough and demanded excellence out of me. He is the one that taught me life skills around the house. He is the one that showed me how to love by staying happily married from age 20 until his death at 84. He is the one that believed in me and challenged me to be better. He is the one that I loved more than any man on this planet. He is the man that I called father. One year ago, Kenneth Joseph Carfagno Sr. left this earth and thus left a huge void in my heart. But on the other side of the bittersweet moment in my life that I mentioned a few moments ago when he took his last breath in that hospice room, this is the positive side, the part that gave me hope. My pop-op was a lifelong Catholic and didn't have any assurance of his position as a citizen of heaven after he died. He just did the best he could and hoped he was good enough. But that all changed a few weeks before his death when he truly accepted Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. When he breathed his last breath, I turned to the nurses who all had tears streaming down their faces. The one in total shock and awe, the other said this, I have seen so many end-of-life scenarios in my time in hospice nursing, but I have never seen what I just saw. I, I was in a state of total peace after my time of prayer and conversation as I was walking my father home. And I asked her what she meant by that. Your father's pulse, breathing, 
and other vitals were rising and falling with every word you uttered to him. He not only heard everything, but I have never seen anybody with the connection the two of you just had. I was speechless. Make of this what you want, but you'll never convince me otherwise that the Holy Spirit wasn't operating and ushering my Father's Spirit with him to heaven. This is a pretty short episode. And I want to thank you for allowing me to share the gift that I call my pop-up. It's been a whole year since he's passed, and I still grieve and cry. Yes, I know he's in a better place. He's with my Nana in heaven. I know, but I still miss him. We just sold his home, my grandparents' home, where they lived for almost 50 years. The one that I grew up in, literally from newborn stage all the way through high school and college and visited there all through my adult years as a, as a father and a husband. It's the only house I've ever known from the beginning of my life until my 40s. We just sold the family home that I grew up in and we just took whatever keepsakes we wanted and there's a season of life that's coming to an end and it's so sad. Life is so short and these last 12 months have shown me this. So if you have lost one or both of your parents, my heart truly goes out to you. I understand how painful it is. So here's my consolation. It's not over for you to make the impact on your loved ones the way Pop-Pop made an impact on me. If you have been semi-absent or too busy to get to the relationships in your life, it's not too late to start. Remember that. It's not too late to start. I want to end this episode with a few funny stories about my pop-up to try and lighten the mood because it's been a pretty depressing one so far. So here's some great stories that I think you'll find humorous as I do. And I'll wrap up with a quote that my pop-up always said to me. So here's the first funny story. When I was a kid, I was a little bit mischievous. I'd be at my grandparents' house, Nana and Pop-Up, in their 50s. I'm about 11, 12, somewhere in that age. Maybe I was 10 at some of these. But I would always notice that around 8 o'clock, 8.30, my Nana would be in her room watching her movies, and she'd be falling asleep or completely out, her head bobbing back and forth on the couch, as you can imagine, starting to snore, not wanting to go upstairs to go to sleep. My papa was in his special black reclining chair in the other room. Not that they were, they were definitely together a lot, but for TV at night, many times they wanted to watch different things, so they went to different rooms. That's fine. So he would also fall asleep. So I had Nana and Papa up asleep. I would basically take turns playing practical jokes on them. One such one involving my Nana is when I got this giant rubber tarantula that's about the size of my outstretched hand from palm to fingers. I don't think it looked that real, really, but it was hilarious. And I grabbed a piece of like clear nylon, like fish nylon, and I tied it to the spider. And then I put the spider out on the middle of the living room floor in view of where my Nana was. And then I went behind her lampstand so she couldn't see me, which was on the side of the couch. And then I would reach up. I'd tap her on the shoulder. She'd go, and she'd wake up. And then she'd, oh, she'd fall back asleep. But then I'd tap her on the shoulder again. And this time she woke up. 
And before she had a chance to move her head over to the middle of the floor because her eyes caught something, I would pull the nylon to pull the giant spider tarantula looking thing across the floor. And my Nana would see it crawling on the floor. Yeah! And she would scream. I'm thankful my Nana never had a heart attack because that would have been the most horrible guilt in my life. But it was really funny as like a 10-year-old boy. Another one I did to my pop-up, it might have been the same weekend, is that he always wore these moccasins. Now, I wear the same kind of moccasins now. I've worn these style for many years as slippers, just like my pop-up. And so I would like take things of his while he was sleeping and I would hide them. And the one time I had the idea, I'm going to take his moccasins. So while he was sleeping, his feet propped up on the Lazy Boy recliner. I grabbed each of his slippers, slowly pulled them off, exposing his dirty socks with a couple holes in them. (laughs) I got his moccasins. Where should I hide them? Under the couch? No, no. Uh, Maybe in the kitchen? No. Uh, Oh, I know. I'll put him in the lamp underneath the lampshade. That's a great idea. He'll never find them. He wakes up a half an hour later. I'm giggling. (laughs) Kenny, have you seen my moccasins? Uh, 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 what moccasins, Pop-Pop? Kenny, what's the burning smell? (laughs) I'm thinking, Oh no, you gotta be kidding me. I look over at the lamp, white smoke billowing from the top of the lamp. <laughs> See, I had put the slippers not only in the lampstand, but they were touching the light bulb and they were there for a half an hour and they were burning. And Pop Up says, What did you do? He runs over, gets his burning slippers out of the lamp. I burned holes in his moccasins. He was so mad at me. Oh, that was good. All right, here's another funny story from my papa. This is one of my favorites, and he hates this one. And this is what I call payback. Do you remember the story of 12 gutter balls? If you do it to podcast, go find it. Well, he was teasing me for the entire game that I had thrown 10 gutter balls and only had two sixes and ended up with a score of 12. Now, I had a great bowling average. I was a good bowler. But this particular day, I was off. He would constantly just berate me like, ah, Kenny, nice throw. Way to get another gutter ball. Well, it was in that same era, that same season that I got him back. See, I was rising up in rank in the Carfagna family in the game of table tennis, otherwise known as ping pong. I was getting better and better. I was able to take down my uncle Dave, who's the youngest of my dad and his two brothers. Probably by the age of about 12 or 13, I was able to take out my Uncle Dave. And then, believe it or not, the next one I was able to take out was my pop-up. He was good. He had one good serve, cross-court to the forehand side. Sometimes he'd switch it up and go to the backhand side pretty quick. But I figured him out, and I started winning a couple games. And then I got better. I could start to kind of dominate some games, so I kind of took pop. Eventually, I was able to take my dad out because he was pretty good and I beat my dad probably by the age of 14 and then shortly after that I was able to beat my uncle Bob he's the middle son and he just had a weird playing style and he was goofy and he made me laugh and stuff but I was able to beat him and rise to the to the championship and be the Carfagno family ping pong champion 
Now, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I was actually a pretty good ping pong player. I did a YouTube video about how I won the Forest Gumpathon in college. I took out a guy that literally was like playing or training in the Olympics. Not that I was better than him. I just outlasted him in a game. In 10 games, he beat me 9 out of 10, but I beat him once, and that's all I needed to win the Gumpathon. But I used to go play ping pong in my freshman year, and I would just go after working on mechanical engineering homework for three hours, go to the commons of my freshman dorms, and I would play ping pong. You get on, you don't get off until someone beats you. No one would ever beat me. I would play as long as I want. Anyway, I was really good at ping pong. Okay, but back to this. I started keeping track of the games I was beating my pop-up. We'd play on a Friday night when I was there, on a Saturday afternoon, on a Saturday night, sometimes on a Sunday. We might play as many as three, five, ten games in a weekend. And it was awesome. We just got, it was probably a three-year period. We just played a lot of ping pong and great bonding time. But there was a point at which he just couldn't beat me anymore. Literally, he couldn't beat me. And I was tracking it, you know, with tallies, like, Tally, 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 and then across. You know, four four lines down and a line across to make five. And I would mark them. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Indicating how many games I was beating my pop-up in a row. He didn't like this too much because he had tried everything to win, but he couldn't beat me. I have a nasty forearm, a nasty backhand that I was developing, and he just couldn't win. He, there, there were games he had me 20 to 16. I'd come back and win. Oh, he had some close ones, but I didn't lose. We got to around 100 games in a row. Imagine that. I beat my pop-up 100 games in a row. And at one point, he was a formidable opponent to me and to the other boys in the family. Now, maybe he was getting older and slipping. I played him and played with no mercy. I just wanted to win, and I did. And he taught me that. And here's the quote that he taught me. When we were in that basement playing ping pong, Kenny, I want you to know something. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. Oh, yeah, pop-up, that's nice. Yeah, winners love quitters. Yeah, well, no, 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 Kenny, listen. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. Because I would sometimes get upset. Maybe I was losing a game to him, and he would say, Kenny, if you quit, you know what that means. Yeah, I know, pop-up, quitters never win, winners never quit. He brainwashed me with that quote. Kenny, winners never quit and quitters never win. So he probably helped me a few games that I was getting frustrated when I wanted to quit. And he would say that, then I would kind of embolden and put my heart back into the game, decide not to quit because I knew I was a winner. I didn't want to be a quitter. And I would play and I would win. Well, the funny story part comes in because at 100 wins, he's like, okay, Kenny, I need you to stop keeping track of these games because I don't want to see it anymore. I'm like, all right, sure, Pop. I took the piece of paper. He went upstairs. I pretended to throw it away. And there was a bookshelf underneath the dartboard by the ping pong table. And there's a little scrap of of rug on the top. And then there was things that were like darts and different things that were on top of that little scrap of rug. Instead of throwing the paper out, I hid it underneath the scrap of rug. And as we kept playing, I kept winning. 101, 102, 130, 135. And every time he would go upstairs first, he never wondered. He just kept going up first. And I would just hang for a minute. I'd pull out the paper from underneath the rug. I'd mark off one, two, three more tallies, three more games. We'd get upstairs. Nana would say, 
Hey, Ken, how'd you do? Uh, he beat me again. He beat me again. He beat me again. Yep, he got me. Yep, he wins. Or I'd go up, hey, Kenny, how'd you do? Yeah, I beat Pop again three more times. Boy, Pop, you're no good at ping pong. <laughs> she just ripped him, right him. He's like, <laughs> so he was getting frustrated. This went on for over a year until I hit the magical game. Like, I was pressured because I knew I was pumping at 200 in a row, 220, and I had this goal. I want to get to 300 in a row, 295, 296. I was at like 299. I was sweating it. He had no idea why I was even stressing out. I'm thinking, this is it, number 300, no 300, 300. I'm sweating it, and it's a close game, and I sweat it out, and I win. And then I say, Pop, I got to share something with you. He's like, what is it? I said, Pop, remember when I used to keep track of how many times I beat you in a row? He's like, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, I got to show you something. He says, Kenny, what did you do? Well, look at this. I went over to the rug. I pulled it up, pulled out the sheet of paper. His face contorted in like rage. He's like, he knew exactly what it was. I got the pencil out. And I marked another tally. And I said, Pop, that's 300 in a row. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He was so mad at me. And he took the paper. I think he crumbled up through the trash. We got upstairs. How'd you do, Ken? Your grandson's keeping track of how many times he won. What? What happened, Kenny? I said, hey, Nana, I just beat Pop-Up 300 times in a row. You what? 300 times in a row? Pop-Up, you stink. (laughs) That's the kind of relationship I had with my grandfather, my Pop-Up and my Nana. So I wanted to share some of those memories with you and go back to the quote I've already mentioned it. Kenny, winners never quit and quitters never win. This advice has helped me so many times in life, and I hope it speaks to you as well. So thank you for listening and go make a difference. Be the pop-up in someone else's life so that when you pass from this world and are in heaven, that they mourn your loss as much as I mourn my pop-up. Why? Is that a good thing? Because I've heard the greater that you mourn someone, the greater that you grieve is in direct correlation to the impact they had upon your life. Remember that. The greater you grieve is a direct correlation the amount of impact they had on your life. Have an awesome day. And thank you so much for listening to the Smart Cleaning School podcast. Thank you for listening to Smart Cleaning School. Class is dismissed.